0: Happy Tuesday, ladies and gents. Yellowstone World. This is the Yellowstone Podcast with watchers in the basement. I am Franklin Cooper.
1: I am Marcy Gonzalez.
0: You're not you muted, Tristan. You muted. Oh, there you go.
2: So oh, just a little lag. Oh okay. I'm. god. Well, Tristan Jones. Thank you. <laughs> yeah it's a, so, like, it's, a, it's a lag i'm telling you it's a lag so like I, okay. I clicked it unmute and 10 seconds later it unmuted so i don't know no worries it hasn't happened before i'm tristan no jones <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we are the watchers in the basement so today we're going to talk about yellowstone season five episode four which is called horses in heaven and there's, there's a lot of symbolic meaning with that title um but uh again great episode let's just do a quick round table with what we thought about the episode as a whole uh marcy
1: um i thought it was a good episode overall i again i think it's still a little bit slow it's setting up some major plot points which has been kind of my um take on the previous episodes so it feels like it's ramping us up for more action but uh lots of beth drama still
0: absolutely absolutely tristan
2: for me, like I, I thought it was a slow episode too, but like slow in a good way. Um, I think it was better, like, than last week's episode, which was slow in a not bad way, but uh, not necessarily a memorable way outside of the ending. Um, this episode, like, was filled with so many like rich, uh, small moments between the characters, uh, like that really made this episode memorable for me. So, big love this episode. Like I said, uh, like Marcy said, it is setting up um, so many different plot points and conflicts. Um, and you can see kind of like the foreshadowing of some of those co- conflicts uh, in the first few episodes of this season. But thoroughly enjoyed episode four.
0: I did, too. I, I thought I thought it was a, it was a great way to set up a lot of things for towards the, the middle and the end of the season. Um, with a lot of the characters in the show and in this episode, you saw a lot of characters. Um, facing adversity and learning themselves a little bit more about what's to come. Um, and, I mean, when you look at Rip, you know, I think Rip's still trying to hold on the grips of, like, this new beginning for John and, like, not, and, like, being the guy. Um, you know, Beth trying to deal with um, her impulse issues of, of trying to keep things on the wraps, especially with her father being governor. Um, Jamie coming to grips of, like, a secret coming out. And we'll, we'll talk about that as well, um, that he, he wasn't ready to tell the world um you know so the the there are a lot of character reveals of of like characters facing adversity and trying to trying to um adhere to those challenges so i definitely love the episode as as well as a whole um but let's let's jump into it so um one of the one of the opening scenes is beth um finally getting picked up from uh from the station uh from uh jamie picks her up um so jamie finds a way to get her bail her out um Beth, Beth's upset that she was in there for so long in the first place, which wasn't that long at all. I think when you assault somebody with a, (laughs) with a glass bottle in the bar, you know, that, that privilege, that privilege says something about, about you being at literally the next day. Right. Let's, let's, let's talk about that scene. Uh, Marcy, what do you think about that, about that scene with with Beth and Jamie?
1: With Beth and Jamie, I, it was, again, like you mentioned that, like Beth's, privilege was just like kind of shining through and she was just kind of like Jamie like you need to get me out of here and you need to like make this go away and I'm like how easy do you think it is to do that Beth uh so it was entertaining and I also liked when she was talking to the woman that she was sharing the cell with I think they had you know like a really great exchange and you know Beth's telling her like what she's in there for aggravated assault and then the other woman's like wow like so you're a legit criminal um and you know Beth just had like a a good quote that I like she said I am the wrath of a woman scorned so I just think like that encapsulates Beth so much so I really enjoyed that scene too
2: absolutely for me Uh, It's interesting to talk about Beth's privilege in that that jail scene because it's kind of juxtaposed with Higgins later on in the episode who's like, hey, I did a year and kind of ate that. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like she's surviving, you know what I'm saying? So uh, that definitely adds more uh, layers to their, to the, you know, the back and forth that they have basically over John in in different ways. Um, Yeah, like very, like I enjoyed that scene too. Um, Very, like especially the jail cell scene with with Beth and, and the woman in, in Tank Witter, like uh like Marcy said, like you do see like some kind of bond between them. Like then neither one of them are really criminals. It's <laughs> so, like neither one of them can really believe what the other is in for. So uh thoroughly enjoyed that. Texas
0: Parter had, had a comment about that scene. Um she she has a question why did Jamie not call Rip to come get her so he didn't have to deal with that. I that's what
1: I was thinking too. I'm like Rip, where are you? Like go get your wife. Um so
0: <laughs> yeah I think- that's- I think exactly. I think there's a multiple reasons why he didn't why he didn't do that. I think one, he knows that um, Jamie Jamie is Jamie is, is a lawyer. It's a lawyer, uh, expert. He knows he knows the law. He knows how to finagle his way out of certain situations. I so and I think I think it was needed for Jamie to go there instead, only because um, Beth Beth needs, Beth needs legal help, and Jamie's that guy. And also, I think too, um, John would have been upset if it wasn't Jamie, because Jamie Jamie is is pretty much. The unofficial um, right hand man to when it comes to legal matters for John,
2: he's and the so fixer. Think,
0: yeah, so I think that's I think that's why he's ultimate fixer. Uh, Rip's a fixer in, in a totally different manner, so I think that was the right fixer to, to come, you know, get Beth out of there.
1: I'm just saying, after Jamie did his lawyer thing, he should have just been like, "You need to call Rip or call somebody else because I'm not going to take you." But I think it goes back to Jamie's always trying to like help and do extra even though like they have a strained relationship but also she has like all this leverage on him too um so i think that's why he eventually gave her the ride and then we know what happened after that that unleashed a whole can of worms
0: i i just i honestly forgot about the whole baby uh aspect i i, I totally forgot about it until this episode and jamie being the uh the the cunning lord that he is bro pulled the baby seat out of the goddamn car (laughs) you would have saved yourself a whole lot of heartache and pain now now don't get me wrong this this is still going to happen in some form of fashion i mean she's going below regardless the minute you find out she finds you have a kid but at least for the time being put a goddamn
2: chair seat out of the out of the car (laughs) you know that was my first thought i was like you you couldn't anticipate like hey maybe let me move this so you know it doesn't cause more drama you know you know this chick crazy uh <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you. Like I i definitely think he had to be there. Like that's his role. You know, and I don't I don't think Rip necessarily wants to deal with Beth uh in that direct confrontational mode. You know what I'm saying? Like he likes to deal with her in a more comfortable mode. Like she's gonna be confrontational anyway, that's Beth. But like that's not that's not what Rip is for. Like I said, like his his skill set is um needed in other areas, you know on the ranch or off the ranch or whatever. But um, yeah, he had to be like, that had to be a Jamie thing. Uh, and like, those two are just going to have to face each other. And Jamie's going to have to, to kind of grow some nuts to, for lack of a better term. And like, he has some leverage on Beth to a degree. Like he has to be able to step up and use that. Otherwise, yeah, she's going to bully him for the rest of his life. And he's going to have to scream in his car. <laughs> like after she vests him, you know, for the thousandth time in a row.
0: To further discuss that scene as well, since we're on uh, on the topic, um, there were some things said on Best from Beth that made me cringe. Um, for one, I think children are blameless. <laughs> I don't I don't think uh, talking about harming a child or taking a child away from a, a parent, unless you know, mm-hmm. the parent's abusive. But there was some there were some lines that she said. Um, I quote: "I would can't wait to take your son away. Um, your your son is mine." These are, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't, clarify, I couldn't really understand what she meant by that. Did she mean murdering the child? Did she mean kidnapping the child? Like, I didn't know what she meant by that. But even for best purposes, I thought that was very, very, some damning remarks, especially with a small child. Because, you know, in season four, you kind of see her make make some um, progress when it comes to, like, affection in a way. Like, taking in Carter last season, you know, saying um, harboring that relationship with him, um, mm-hmm. and pretty much giving Carter a home. You know, uh, so seeing that, seeing that, that, that Beth regress a little bit with that, I thought was pr- pretty upsetting for me. Marcy, what about you?
1: Um, yes, I agree. Um, and here's like my notes. When I saw that scene, I put Beth and Jamie driving home. She discovers the has a kid. Beth loses it. Very deep wounds that she needs to heal go to therapy. So that like is my whole take. And yeah, I like Texas Potterhead's comment. Like it will be in fun to like have Beth like meet her match because she is kind of on a different level of unhinged now, especially that car scene was like very difficult to watch. Um, obviously on one hand, you can understand her pain of everything that she's gone through. But then I also went back and watched uh episode five of season three when it kind of shows like what actually happened between them and again like i don't think jamie did it with malice right i don't think he was like yes like you you know we have to get you an abortion and like you're gonna get a hysterectomy and like whatever i think like he being young and still wanting to like protect the family and protect john and protect beth um like he did what he thought he had to do right like whether it was right or wrong, like it was something that he did. Um, So like, I understand her anger towards him, but she definitely has to deal with all of that anger and all that hurt and resentment because I think it's ultimately going to be her downfall. She's going to let all of this like toxicity consume her. So please go to therapy, Beth, please.
2: For me, um, just kind of looking at that scene, Like to to kind of piggyback off Marcy, yes, what he did was absolutely horrible, even for his age at the time. Um, But since that, like the last few seasons have been this kind of like Jamie torture that is really uncomfortable to watch in a lot of areas. Like they treat, they literally treat him like, He's the devil. And I'm like, I have to, and then, you know, maybe I have to go back and rewatch. I'm like, man, how many really shitty things has Jamie done? Like, I know he's done some things that you know they don't like. There's some done some things that might have been um unscrupulous, whatever, especially in his legal battles that he's been taking, you know, for for the family and the ranch. But like, I don't think it's necessarily deserving of this, like sadist, like masochistic uh torture that he's taken at the hands of beth and john honestly um to the point like they just disrespect this man It's like for sport in his face um and again this it has to boil over at some point like every for every every great tv show that we watch when something's going one way for so long it has to come back the other way and I, i'm interested to see how jamie just regains his own leverage as a man as, a, as an individual Um, somebody with their own agency and not like the lapdog for his kind of sister and kind of father, you know what I'm saying? So I'm interested to see how that goes, plays out going forward. Absolutely.
0: I I, I totally agree with you, uh, Tristan, on that regard. Like, cause like watching that scene, even last season the finale when Beth pretty much made him kill his father, his, his biological father, I was going through my head trying to think like, what all did he do that was just, so fucked up, like, I mean, yes, he has some character, I mean, character dysfunctions about him as well, but outside the hysterectomy thing, um, I know, I know you hit Beth in season one, got got in the fight in the car, and, like, not going to see John White in the hospital, um, outside of that, there's not many things, it's it's all childhood things that, um, that, uh, that are connected, with, with Beth with the hysterectomy, and John not, not, uh, seen jamie beyond beyond what he is like i know with john john's proud of even with lee and and casey those guys are are, are strapping men the man's men right like you know the cowboys are hard you know they they are like walking um uh reminders of john in, in some form of light where jamie is he's he's that telling you guy he's the studious guy he's the he went to law school like he's just he's just so different from john and i'm not i don't want to say john um john uh blames him for that but i think there's just a this there's, there's a low level of of um of uh relations with uh, as far as like being relatable with with jamie his i guess dr son, and at, at, at that point
2: i mean a part of it is some of it is self-hate you know some of it is is you know self-regret like john also has to think about the mistakes he made with jamie And how these have played into his lack of trust in jamie like this is john being mad at john primarily and jamie's really just the vehicle for john's like self not self-hate but you know self-regret self uh whatever you know just self-criticism um and again that has to come back some way like at some point either jamie has to break off from his family completely or he has to be let back into the fold. Uh, but this like contentious relationship that we just see play out in so many different ways—it can't stand for too long.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm amazed that he's still mentally put together <laughs> and, and and still showing mental fortitude with all that he's been through with Beth and with Beth and uh and uh and John. Because even with Casey, like there's a mutual respect with Casey and, and Jamie. You know, e- even when Jamie, even when Jamie didn't uh, go see John in the hospital you know casey was 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 trying to find out make up excuses like hey you know he's been mm-hmm. busy you know he wouldn't he wouldn't do this like he, he's not part of what happened when, with john he always i mean from what looks like he always had jamie's back in, in that form of fashion um but to get back to the show so let's talk about uh, one of the early scenes um in the beginning of the episode um the policy advisors meeting mm-hmm. so uh <laughs> so jamie so john is walking with his his assistant and um and assistant tells him that you, you have a meeting coming up right now and uh, but technically the meeting wasn't really for John it was just a policy meeting that was that was put together on a calendar to discuss policy but John wasn't invited to that meeting so John walks in and um and to make a long story short uh his I believe his uh chief of policy advisor Stanley Roberts um they have a they have a sage a sage browsing solar panel, Mm-hmm. um a meeting about moving all the sage grass from from the from the lands so they, they can they can own seven thousand acres to implement solar panels and uh and so so john is like so we are we not gonna think about the how the, it's is gonna affect agriculture and the population and stanley had nothing to say and he goes ahead and not only fires, fires Stanley but fires the whole his whole uh his whole staff um saving 1.6 million dollars in revenue salaries and benefits um Tristan, what was your thought about about that scene as a whole?
2: Um, So I thought it was encouraging in one way uh, because you see John at least considering like the stakeholders of of these policies. And and you can tell like some of the subtext of that scene was too many politicians or politician teams fail to like really, um consider all the stakeholders in some of these policies that they propose and they discuss and they debate back and forth between each other and it's also played out with the educators uh, meeting when it was brought up because it's like yo we have an educators meeting without educators like that doesn't make sense um, so it was encouraging to see john you know thinking beyond just his own bubble and his own self-interest um, also kind of discouraging in some ways because firing the whole team just off mm-hmm. that like I think this is what the second or third time he just walked into a room and fired people like impulse control, you know, like I, I think John's major impulse because of the world that he's been king of for so long mm. is just to be the king in the room. And like, I'm just going to dismantle and things will always work out around me because I'm me. And and I think he's entering into a world where so much stuff is out of his control. And he's going to learn that, like he can't really just follow some of his his you know first or second impulses. Like he's gonna have to be more patient. And I think that meeting, at the lunch that he had um, with Lynette like was so important uh, because she's kind of laying that out for him. You have to be patient in some ways. You have to be um, flexible in some ways. You can't be so intractable. Like you have like here's the game to like uh, the game within the game that you're playing in this position that you're in. So. I thought it was a, a nuanced scene. We see John in, in, in a different light as a politician, um, because he's a rancher and because he, in a way, <laughs> take you know, uh, looks out. It's part of like um, the non-elite. You know, I would argue that he's definitely an elite in the class that he's in. But um, also, again, like you start to see like some of the issues that his children have can also stem from him. You know what I'm saying? As much of a G that we know him to be, he's an mm-hmm. impulsive G and that's like Beth, it, it could possibly get him, uh, hemmed up in this role that he has as governor. Marcy.
1: Um, yeah, I love how you talked about the impulse control. Yes. Like apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Um, I loved that whole scene about the educators luncheon. Like Working in that fields of education was like, yeah, it's like, why do we always have all of these things for educators, and the educators aren't there. It's always like the superintendents and like you know everybody else, but the educator. So I really loved that. Um, and then also when he's talking to the policy advisors, um, you know, Stanley's like, well, I haven't even had a chance to meet you because you know she wasn't scheduling lunches for you. And he said, well, you could have just come to my office. I think. John is used to that, like being a rancher. That's his way of life. Like you just build relationships that way just by like going over and talking to each other. But I think like he's seeing that like government can be like very corporate as well. Right. Like very bureaucratic. So um, sometimes you don't feel like you can just go over to like your boss's office and just pop in and say, Hey, like you feel like it has to be very scheduled and all the calendar. Um, But I like the nuance of like that whole conversation about the sagebrush and the sage grouse because um, it shows that um, not all policies are like good, right? All the time, like they're doing this because of environmental concerns, um, but they're not seeing how even though this may be like a more green solution, it still has repercussions on the environment and the sage grouse. Um, so I really like the nuance showing just like one alternative may not be like 100% great but it may be better than like what we had been doing before um so i really like that whole um interaction um and then yes i'm glad that Linnell kind of took him to lunch and was like hey you need to like get yourself an environmental like policy advisor um so i just really love how like she's a woman and she's having to school him. Whereas like, I think where he comes from, it's usually the men that are doing a lot of like everything. So it's refreshing to see like this woman in a position of power, who's able to kind of be his guide and his mentor.
0: Absolutely. I I, I love that. I love that teacher pupil di- uh, dynamic between John and Linnell for sure. Um, John, <laughs> it's like John takes two, two steps forward and one step, uh, one step forward and two steps back. And, 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 earlier episodes of season five um he's he's pretty much um making it all about himself being governor like i gotta care of the ranch i make sure my family's secure you know all and then everybody else and then you see a little bit of growth in that scene where he's talking about the educator the educators meeting talking about i'm I'm not gonna come because there's, there's no teachers there there's no, I'm. Um, there's no point in me even showing up. When his teachers there, let me know. I'm like, yes, you're learning, you're, you're, you're progressing, and in the very next scene, he goes he, he goes into the, <laughs> into the, into the meeting, pause the meeting and fires his whole staff. Um, I wish he would have just so, and and that's part, and that's part of, polit- uh, politicking and and government. You have people with different opinions. You you discuss those opinions and you find a mutual ground. Um, I think a, a smarter way for John to go about that is the minute that him and Stanley Roberts didn't have a, uh, didn't agree on something, you learn, you talk to Stanley, you tell him your position, you, you meet as a, a, as a group that's already there. You discuss your position, you let, you hear them out and you find common ground. You can't just fire people off of one, off of one opinion and one, and one in one position and just go on about your day. If you're going to do that. You're going to be firing people every, damn every, every damn week. And I think it, it it would it would have been great if i had a conversation with him before finding everybody but but um it, that was a that was a great scene to show that john says a lot to learn you know j- just because you're 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 you a powerful ranch for political uh with political power in of montana when it comes to ranch and livestock doesn't always trans- trans- uh, transcend into into government so um that was that was a great scene quite a sad scene to see people lose their jobs but a good scene nonetheless. Um, now, now the very next scene is more. There's more politicking going on. Uh, Parks and Wildlife is in his office talking about uh, the talking about the the, the missing wolves, uh, the colored wolves that that uh, turned up missing. So they they approach John about it, and one of the reasons why they approach John about it not only that he's governor, but also because um, they turned up missing on on John's land. So they kind of unofficially, but officially, but unofficially, kind of like think John is people are, are involved with the missing colored wolves. Uh, Marcy what are your thoughts on that scene
1: I like that scene because like you see the uh, fish and wildlife officers are like hey like we get it like we understand like if you had to do this but like we're not the ones who are tracking this you're going to have a bigger problem with like the nonprofits and the environmental groups that are tracking this so I think that's again setting up like a bigger problem that's coming up but I also don't know like where they're going with this because I looked it up and like Like I may be wrong, but like you can shoot, you can't shoot a wolf inside of Yellowstone. But once they like go outside of Yellowstone and they're on somebody else's land and they're like being a threat and like killing cattle, I think I read that like, then it's okay. So can't they just say like they were on our land, they weren't part of the park. So like maybe the information I got was wrong, or maybe they're just trying to set this up for more drama. But um, I want to see where this is going, because again, it goes back to yes, caring about the environment is like something that we should all do. But again, maybe some environmental groups, they take it to an extreme where they're maybe like not just looking out for the environment and for animals, but they're just kind of have other agendas. Um, So that was a good scene too, to just kind of tee up again, hopefully something more that's going to come with this wolf storyline.
2: Uh For me, like, I think the, the issue is that well, one of the issues is, is that they you know hid the evidence um, it's always the cover up um i think like like you said like if they would have just said hey they're wolves they were killing they're killing our cattle we peeped them from afar decided hey we don't want to get up close with wolves shot them from afar and then we saw that they were Yellowstone Park like but this all started because the wolves were on the land killing cattle um so like they should have done that but what they did was you know more egregious in uh burying the wool somewhere and then moving removing the collar and stuff like that so then it becomes this thing that you have to just keep chasing uh, rip had to deal with them now john is having to deal with them, and like you said it's going to become a, a much bigger issue whereas they probably could they probably could have um you know got it settled you know from the beginning and i think another issue that this is causing is i think this is going to reflect on rip because rip ultimately made the decision to you know remove the collars and send them up the river and stuff like that not his best decision i'm like i understand um not his best decision you know what i'm saying so i think this is also setting up the i guess the inevitable like who's going to succeed me conversation right like here we are at the roys again like the inverse like nobody actually wants to shit <laughs> I <right, but> like <laughs> so like Rip looks like the natural successor, right? Casey's has family issues, Jamie is Jamie, like Beth is unstable and Rip knows the business. He just doesn't know like the the street smart, I guess things that you need to to do to be the king of that world which John is going to need somebody to be. Um but this yeah, like this whole thing really honestly yeah through very little fault of his own started with rip and making that decision so uh, that's a uh, a storyline i'm interested to see going forward
0: texas party had uh, asked a uh, asked a question about um the, the shooting of the color wolves she says is it because the land has been placed in a conversation of easement um that's a good could,
1: point i hadn't thought of that yeah
0: mm-hmm. i, I didn't think about that either that, that that might be a good point um Cause because what threw me off when so when the Cowboys shot the wolves and they, they called Rip, cause the the, the Cowboys had panicked. It wasn't like it wasn't like cause these are experienced cowboys, they've been around for for years on, on, on John's ranch. But when they shot them, when they shot the wolves, even though it was eating, eating the cattle, they didn't say, Oh, well, we should be good because you know they, they were on our land eating our cattle. They panicked. And then Rip, who's also an experienced rancher, panic as well so i don't know if it's just it's it some, some type of law under like under no circumstance kind of like with bears unless you're like absolutely like your life's in danger if you shoot a, if you shoot a colored wolf like shooting a bear it's a it's a it's a federal crime maybe that maybe that could be the point because it, it it made me it threw me off how three experienced cowboys slash ranchers freaked out of wolves being on their land eating their cattle
1: we need some clarity on this. We should reach out to Taylor Sheridan and be like, "Hey, you wrote this. Explain it."
2: Can somebody tell me what a conservation easement is? I, like I've heard it for two episodes now. And, like I still don't know what the fuck that shit is. Nor I am I late. Nor am I like motivated enough to to look it up. So I
0: need to look it up as well But I, I've <laughs> I've heard that term before when it when it came to his land and when it came to uh, the airport and stuff too. So I don't. I'm not sure. I, I got we got to look that up as well. Uh, Texas part of here, If you know, please break it down for us so, so we can <laughs> so, so we can know for ourselves. Um, so um, to go back, so let's go back a little bit. So Jamie, so Miss Brewer is, is the lady that um, Beth attacked at the bar. So she's meeting with with authorities and Jamie about um, her decision to want to press charges. And Jamie brings up a good point of um, and I didn't know this until until I watched the episode. So apparently in a bar fight, um, there's no such thing as self-defense uh in a in a bar fight. Maybe I don't know that that's a Montana thing or just a bar fight in in, in all 50 states. But um apparently Miss Bru didn't Miss Brew didn't know that either. And uh and Jamie pretty much said that you're also a defendant, you're not plaintiff in, in this case if you decide to decide to sue. So um again, that's Jamie just again showing his value um as as a uh, as a valid member in this family and on this on this uh on John's staff um saving Beth again um talk about that scene Marcia about about Miss Brewer and Jamie uh,
1: <laughs> when I heard like what apparently she'd said to Beth I was like you know what like maybe like I might not have hit her with like the beer bottle but I also probably would have been like super pissed as hell. Um, so yeah, good to know that in a bar fight, you know, there's no self-defense claim. Um, but she also has a point, right? Like pretty much like Beth gets to hit her with a beer bottle and assault her and just like do a night in jail. And like, that's it. And again, that like reeks of privilege. Like you did this to this woman, you assaulted this woman, you hit her with a beer bottle. You like gave her a huge black eye. And like, that's all you do. You just go spend a night in jail. And um, I think what was like the final thing that they charged her with, like um, disorderly conduct or something like that. And Mm -hmm. then you just have um, community service and that's it. Um, So on some level, I was like, yes, you should not have said that. Like, I probably would have been very angry too, if you said that about my husband, but also Beth, like, that's incredibly privileged. <laughs> so,
2: I mean, I thought it showed both of their privileges. <laughs> <to be honest. laughs> yeah. uh, one, uh, the fact that she didn't know that uh, there's no self-defense in a bar fight tells me that might be something that's specific to Montana or, and, or just like the states around that region. Uh, two, again, like major privilege. Like, you know how much privilege you have to have as a woman on this earth to walk up to a woman for a man to tell you I'm married You you then leave said man walk up to the woman he's pointing at and says she's staring a hole at you because she's pissed for you to further escalate by saying I'm going to not necessarily violate (laughs) because she does not have possession over Rip's body, but I'm going to violate your home and your marriage and I'm going to make you and I want you to watch or you can watch if you want to. Hey, man, I (laughs) know. I understand that we have laws and we have rules and I, I understand you can't, you should not in theory, just hit people over the head with a bottle because that can lead to uh, very serious consequences uh, for both of you. But with that said, however, <laughs> if you say the things that she said, and, Oh good. I'm, I'm so glad. Like, Hey, that's beautiful writing to not let us hear it at the end of the last episode. And for it to only come out when Jamie says it, that's exquisite. Shout out to you, Taylor. <laughs> However, <laughs> if you say those things where I'm from, I don't know where, where that woman is from. <laughs> California, know. apparently.
1: California. Yeah, she's from California.
2: Okay. She might be from like, you know, Malibu or some shit, man. OC, whatever the fuck. But from where I'm from, where I'm Normandy and Western. You say some shit like that, you're going to get assaulted. And again, that's privilege. Like both that's privilege both ways. Beth obviously did that with the understanding that she was going to get away with it. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know how much she would have uh hit her over the head with that bottle. But that woman, absolutely, I gave her too much credit. I, I think Marcy, you and I talked about it, like she, she might have been a plant for market equities. If, she, if she's not a plant for market equities, that woman's a, a moron, capital M moron. Like, you should not do that. That's dumb. What why, why would you do that? That's really stupid. So, um, that's what I thought about that scene, honestly, in a nutshell. Um, again, again, that's Jamie showing his value. Uh, he 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 can be ruthless when he needs to be, you know, and I just wish he kind of returned some of that fire with Beth. <laughs> like, honestly, like use that ruthlessness that you do professionally to get this this woman off your, your fucking back because she is she resides there.
0: And it looks like she was solo in that bar too. Like I don't think she was with anybody. On top of that, it's a cowboy bar in Montana, in Bozeman, Montana. Vice break out just just because, <laughs> on on a, on, a, on a regular Tuesday night. So for her to even think that she had the privilege and, and can walk away unharmed was that's amazing to me. Um, Brittany, our our main correspondent says I haven't watched Yellowstone, but it sounds like I need to with all this energy going around i've been telling you Brian for the last two years you gotta get on the show it's lovely beth is beth will be your spirit animal I, I i already know um going a little bit up in the in the chat uh texas part had uh broke down the the meaning of a, a conversation conversation is a com- com- conversation easement conversation com- conversation conversation Con- say it again
1: conservation
0: conservation conservation easement is a voluntary legal agreement that permanently limits the use of the land in order to protect its conservation values so by that meaning are the cattle that 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 john has they're not supposed to graze on that land because it's 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 messing with the with the with the values of that land is is that is that what that means so so shouldn't should the cattle not be there in the first place for the wolves to even attack them that's why i got my definition
1: yeah, we need to brush up on our land knowledge.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Even but, though we're from Texas, like we're not from like country Texas. <laughs> like <anything else.
0: laughs> Absolutely. So so next is the funeral scene. So uh, Monica and Kesa are burying their son, John. Um, and uh, from afar, John and Beth are, are talking. And John's, John's pretty much just telling her, look, man, like, let's put you on game. You're fucking up you uh I, i'm i'm governor now you can't be doing all of these having these outbursts and and, and harming people um in post control which tristan alluded to um as a the theme of this episode uh t what did you think about that conversation or that real short conversation
2: between beth and john i mean I, I think john said a lot without saying too much you know like he told like we're gonna have a, a long talk and beth at this point knows her father and knows how to kind of get away from, you know, the, the biggest part of his wrath. Um, kind of eases out of that, and he's like, "Oh no, we'll we'll have a short one." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I think he said everything he needed to say in really, what five words? Uh, six words. So, um, I, I, again, it's it's a talk that need it's that's been necessary for those two because Beth has been on a um, uncontrollable streak, uh, honestly for. Since the beginning of the fucking show. Um, and the stakes are higher. And I think that part of like some of like the look, the facial expressions that he gives to her before he says, Hey, impulse control. And after he says it, there's so much that's unsaid. It's like, Hey, I'm fucking governor. These are the stakes. You need to be an asset and not a li- liability. And that shit is a major liability because as Lynette, you know, let him know, like, Hey, wh- if she gets convicted, and you pardon her now you're done politically like you you lose so much of your credibility um so yeah like it's it's a conversation that needed to be happened needed to to be made and, and needed to happen um and i, I love how john just kind of did not let her squirm her way out of like that necessary talk now somebody needs to have that talk with john but that's a, you know we already discussed that
0: and also the episode before john made her chief of staff like John fired his chief of staff the episode before. So outside of just having these impulses, you are the handler of of your father on 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 the on the political front. His chief of staff can't be in and out of jail knocking bitches over with, with glass bottles and shit. So there's, there's a certain level of decorum it is being being chief of staff. Um Marcy, what was your what was your your, your take on that scene with John and uh and Beth?
1: Um yeah, pretty much like Tristan said, John said a lot without saying a lot and I think Beth's relationship with John just kind of reminds me of like me and my dad, right? Like we are so much alike and we're always butting heads because we are so much alike. Um so I think like there's that dynamic with John and Beth too, right? Like Beth has impulse controls definitely, but so does John. Um so I think Maybe in a way, like when he's talking to her and giving her advice, he's also maybe like talking to himself and trying to, like, you know, remind himself of what he needs to do. But um, I liked when she said, uh, you know, like, I don't think they want us us here at the funeral. He's like, well, like, we're still going to stay here so that they know we cared enough to stay, even though it's far away. Um I like that John was able to do that and not just kind of be in his feelings about like, they didn't tell him about the funeral. So I'm going to get mad about it and not even be here. Um, I thought that was just, that showed a lot on John's part to be like, you know, maybe they don't want us here. They didn't tell us about this, but I'm still going to stay here and like pay my respects because it's what I feel is the right thing to do.
2: And there's this broad view that John has, on his ranch that he needs to learn to apply in his in his new job uh where he's able to kind of see the big picture uh like Mar- like excellent point by marcy you like he did not get in his feelings like he didn't let that deter him he's like hey this is what needs to be done like i need to be here i need to show the support and everything that he's doing in that scene needs to be again applied to the governorship like just being able to see the big picture see the larger field at hand, and not just really looking through this narrow lens, um, like his QB vision is like very narrow. Like you need to expand that out. Let's be Peyton Manning and not Michael Vick on those things. But like um, again, and which leads to uh, one of the best John Dutton scenes I can think of in this series, um, which is the scene that he had with Monica, just consoling. And then, like again, that's a big picture thing, but it's also a really, really small thing that I think Monica and every, you know, and Casey can appreciate because John was able to like shrink himself down into just being a sympathetic or or empathetic uh, father-in-law, you know, and not King John Dutton <laughs> and, and everything. So I, I love how he was able to be big King John Dutton to Beth in that moment in a few words but he was also able to shrink himself and expand his dialogue in order to like really demonstrate for monica how how empathetic and how sincere and genuine um he was in that moment because monica is naturally distrustful of john and white people in general <laughs> you know what I'm saying? um and so like it takes a lot like when she when they were living in the house like john Really tried in his own way to like endear himself to Monica, and and there was only but so much that she could go because she understood like one the danger of, of the business that they were in, but also that he's responsible for a lot of that danger, and uh, um and you know he can be a dangerous person, um so I love seeing the shift. Hopefully this this is a permanent shift in their relationship, um but that's one of the best scenes I've seen from from uh, Kevin Costner. In the Yellowstone series since it began,
0: that was probably the most powerful scene from the uh, from the position of John being a father. And I know that was his daughter-in-law, but you don't see many soft scenes of John like just giving fatherly advice. That's my dog. I'm sorry, that's my dog in the background. Just ignore him. But you don't see many um, many moments of John giving fatherly advice to his children, let alone his 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 daughter-in-law. And uh, and and so John really being vulnerable there and like and, and speaking from the heart uh, about hey this this is a tough situation it's never easy losing a child but I mean if there if there is a civil lining in this just know that just know that that child for however long that child was alive knew your love and you you were you was the only view that that he saw that I, I ain't lie I, I I teared up hearing that because I wasn't expecting that from John I, I would from like Casey uh, or you know or um but not from John really from, not from Anybody from this cast. <laughs> uh, so, so to get that, that, that soft spot was really, really touching. Marcy, what about you?
1: Um, Yeah, I agree. I've loved his vulnerability, how he was able to open up and just like tell her things that he doesn't really tell anybody else. Cause he keeps them bottled up inside. And like, I've never experienced child loss, but I, the people that I know that have like, that's kind of like the emotions that they have shared, right? Like, um, when they've been vulnerable enough to, it's like, you know, yes, the life was short, but like all they knew is to be loved. And that's what like made their life special, even though it was very brief. So that um, definitely was very emotional. I'm glad that he was able to be that vulnerable with Monica. Um, and then I also liked how like Monica's family was there and like, Rainwater and Mo were there and like Mo and his uh, group was even like, um, you know, digging the grave for the child. And um, I think like whatever beef like Rainwater and Mo and like the tribe can have with like the ranch and John Dutton, um, they're able to put that aside and be like, okay, like we know that there's this beef that like has to come to a head and like we have to deal with. But this is more important. So we're going to support Monica and her family and even Casey, even though he's also part of the family that we have beef with. Um, I think that's just really beautiful. And it just shows um, like a lot of humanity and maturity that maybe not a lot of other people could do. Like they couldn't get past that and like help out um, like they do.
0: I I love Rainwater's character, his, his arc over the last five seasons. When he first gets when he first gets introduced as um, the new chief of the uh, of his people on the reservation, you see him as a as a threat, um, not so much of a as an uh, antagonist, but um, but a challenge for John. And you kind of forget the historical context um, that's that's there with the Native Americans of the land being taken and pretty much all of John's land being being a, being a, being, a, being the Native Americans' land from you know for eons um, before. Anglo-Saxons came to uh, came to this uh this 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 uh country. So Taylor Sheridan does a, a good job of like really displaying perspective um in, in some points, but then a- also kind of blinding the historical context and making John a hero and, and John the ultimate badass. And I think that I think that small scene, even though it wasn't that long, you kind of see um, because Ranger's been patient. Like this is this we we're four episodes in, and they still haven't. They still, up to this, up to this point, even spoke to each other since he's been governor. So, um, I, I seeing that scene, it, it showed me grace that Rainwater has, um, because you know, market equities, all these other factions that are trying to get at John, they're 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 deploying all these different cunning ways to like you know defame John and trying to get this land, while Rainwater's trying to be the patient guy. Like, look, man, look, you know, I know we have beef. I know this. We want two sides, of, uh, two sides of, of the spectrum but I want to have I want to have a conversation and see what we can what can we do to compromise and and to where all parties win and that's why I really respect about rainwater in that in this process
2: remember rainwater has experience actually leading a large group of people like john both of them have experience being leaders but in different contexts rainwater has the political experience um, so he again understands how to see the big picture um isolate a particular problem and then attack it you know so yeah he's waiting like things are happening hey john just lost a grandson um all these things are happening you know with john being governor so on and so forth i'm gonna wait for my moment you know when when tensions are down when you know it's just the best time and then we'll talk about these things and if rainwater would have just come in hot like oh you canceled the airport thing like this is the these are the, the um the consequences and blah, blah blah like you know that would have caused more conflict and they would not i, I think they would have um it would have damaged the little alliance that they had that like you really like you said like you forget they were adversaries from the, at the beginning of this uh the series and they've established uh so much of a uh an alliance because there's been so many other outside threats coming in um uh, so i mean i will probably talk about this at the end but I really was very uh fascinated with where that conversation between them could go, right? because they had an agreement, John became governor, he you know ha- he has to fix these other threats to his land, and that kind of gets in the way of the rainwater deal and and, and such. So where did they how do they find common ground? I'm, i I really want to see that going forward. Marcy?
1: um yeah no I I love I love the character of Rainwater and I really love the actor too I think he does a really great job um so I I definitely want to see more of that dynamic with John and Rainwater and even Mo too like he's a really great character too.
0: T you you brought up a good point with Rainwater his his experience of leading people right um and and it goes back to season one where he's talking to um I think uh, I can't. I can't remember who. I don't know. It was a representative. It was a politician that came on the reservation. He's showing He's showing her the land, and he talks about his upbringing. He talks about how he didn't know he was even an Native American. He 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 identified as Mexican. He was he was adopted by parents, and you know going. You know you know learning learn about his his heritage. You know going to college. You know he was he was top of his class in college. Um, to now you know leading people. So he there was different facets of his life where. He faced adversity, and he faced dealing with different um, different types of people throughout throughout his professional and personal life, which I think gave him experience um, to deal with what's going on with John.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Like he he's had to adapt to different search situations. Different from John, he's been in, he's been a leader in a, a situation where he wasn't the top dog, like he wasn't the alpha, I guess, in that that um, that alliance or within that organization that system like yeah he the chief of, of your people but like you still have to answer the other politicians you still have to all these other people that you have to build with and john since he's taking control yeah he has alliances with people but with all these alliances even with people who had more power than him it was understood that he had just as much if not more leverage than they did so there was a level of back down that John just has not developed <laughs> you know being john dutton that rainwater has and that that's that comes in handy when you need to negotiate or you need to find common ground with somebody you know who's not necessarily an enemy but you have different interests uh and that's where we are with john and rainwater
0: speaking of interest um so there was a character that that showed up last season by the name of miss higgins she was a environmentalist. uh i don't want to say radical but very about the environment and she was a huge disagreements what's going on with the environment and how you know the pollution and everything that's, that's being decided for the state of montana is being had and um and she, you know she had a she had a uh not a servant of peace i can't remember what she went to jail for but it, it was damaging property or something like that but she got like 10 years for it so you know i
1: think she punched a cop when they were at like that rally or something there was a scuffle and like she assaulted a cop and i think that's what mm. yeah
0: okay okay yeah okay i think you're right about that so john tries to save her um the judge was very unforgiving and gave her i think 11 years in prison um for her act so fast forward a, a year later now because it takes it just takes over a year later um john's not governor and um johnny's an environmentalist advisor. The minute I heard I heard the minute I heard that I'm like hmm I wonder who could I wonder who could fit this job and uh and and later on the scene fast forwards to uh Ms. Higgins in prison um just you know minding her business you know doing her bid and she gets let out soon she, she gets let out and she uh she she's giving us stuff she walks outside and John John's in a limo and pretty much um pretty much says hey you know I, I you know what happened was was wrong but um I need a favor from you uh marcy talk talk about talk about the favor that john john is asking her
1: you know he's pretty much saying i need you to come live with me live on my ranch beth won't be there too much so you don't have to worry too much about her and then like i need you to advise me i need you to help me understand the way you think so i can understand the way environmentalists think and be able to maybe like get one step ahead of them right um you know and she's like well this has to be professional I was in prison for a year but I'm still not gonna fuck you um but like maybe like that goes out the window when they're um on the ranch but I mean we could definitely see that coming whenever he was having lunch with Linnell and he's like oh like I can pardon people like now and she's like yeah you can pardon them at any time so one, like, how did he not know that a governor can pardon somebody at any time or grant clemency? Um, and then, two, like, we knew that that was coming because I think he really did have a really soft spot in his heart for summer. Not only because I guess they, you know, had some kind of relationship in the last season, but um, also I think, like, he understood that, like, she's got, like, some code and, like, some values that she's trying to save and protect. Um, so he could respect that part of it. Maybe he didn't agree with what she's trying to stand for, but he respected that she had something that she was wanting to stand for. Um so I'm really interested to see like what comes of that because we did see like that really great scene of her and Beth in the kitchen and then you know just fighting like old times.
2: Yeah. John and Summer both come from like this altruistic point of view. Uh, like you said, like just being passionate about something. I remember both of them uh, I think first with Summer and John, when she, when they were riding in the car and, you know, she, he gets out and he's helping this, you know, calf get back in, in the fence and stuff like that. And she's seemed like, you really love this shit. <laughs> like, and I think John also saw that with her in the protests and all these things. It's like, no, you really believe, you really love this shit. So they both come together from like the same place, uh, just on opposite sides politically of the spectrum. Um, so i think it was always meant for them to come back together in some shape form or fashion um i they're absolutely gonna end up fucking again like i don't see how come on i don't see how that's not gonna happen but that's definitely gonna happen um what you mean so I'm happen? Very, what you mean it already happened well no i'm saying like again you know, oh. just, like she said that like ominously like oh we're definitely not fucking <laughs> okay sure sure summer that's that's kevin Costner. <laughs> <dude. laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> dance with wolves, bro. This is Mr. dance with wolves, dog. Fucking bodyguard. Oh, come on, man. I was I was old enough to remember what women were saying. Black women were saying about Kevin Costner in 1992, man. Anywho, um, so like Marcy, very interested to see how this relationship plays out going forward. How they blend in her completely opposite political views with his in his role. Um, how can she be an asset you know like like the the trailer for next week was you know beth uh kind of warning him like hey this is your worst enemy i don't think it'll be that but i definitely think it's going to be contentious in so many ways that it it has to be like with this the way how stubborn they both are about their beliefs um so you know but obviously john has his leverage over her like getting you out of jail and and being governor and such but summer's very strong-minded she's really you know she's not just going to back down because he's governor, you know what I'm saying? So I'm really interested in seeing how, um, how she can be an asset to John and his governorship while still staying true to her beliefs and such. And I I mean, also another, you know, subplot is her and Beth, right? Like this is really going to test a lot of Beth's impulse control, or, or at least her, her working on said impulse control because she sees, uh, Summer as a threat. And I don't blame her seeing her as a threat politically. Um, I think Beth is a little out of pocket seeing her as a threat like domestically, but you know, that goes back to Beth being Beth and just seeing every everybody and everything as a threat and only knowing to attack and not really being able to, like so many other characters in the show, being able to step back and see the big bigger picture and then react. Beth doesn't know how to do that, so that's definitely going to lead to more uh contention between her and Summer. Which is going to lead to more contention between her, Beth, and John.
0: But that's the thing with Beth. Like most, most of the, the the people that present challenges or presented threats were women, and not just women, but women that John dealt with romantically. You saw that with Linnell in season one when Linnell's walk I don't know. If Linnell had a, had on the mother, the mother's robe. No, John got mad about that. But Linnell's coming out the the house, and Beth, Beth, pretty much confronts her. You know, and. It was it was from a it was it was a connection with Beth's mo- uh, mother in the past, and they go back to season four, you know, with 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 uh, John messing with um I don't know her first name I'll just call Miss Higgins, but with John messing with her in in, in the cabin, and and Beth throws a I think throws like like a jar at her or something like that. It, it's like all the threats that that Beth um, actively seeks out or, or tries to oppose are women that I don't want to say John trying to replace. Because John loves his wife, but you know, John, John is also a man, and he he needs to move on. And um, and I think Beth doesn't want John to have a, a emotional connection with any of these women because episode three, Beth pretty pretty, pretty much tells his father, her father, you need to get laid. But like, what I got out of that was you need to get laid, but don't have an emotional connection because my mom is the only connection that you that you would need in every and 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 what. In what that's it like need and only need and that's that, that goes back to to the to the, the child trauma that beth had you know feeling the blame of losing her mother the way that she lost her mother in that horse accident and i think that's beth trying to trying to make up for that by saying you know i failed you as a mother but at least for me let me let me try to like keep my father at bay and not have any emotion towards anybody else um to replace you that's what i got it at what you guys think?
1: I feel like Beth has a lot of issues and she's dealing with a lot of like PTSD and that needs to be sorted out. But I think she doesn't want to be replaced in John's life as like the woman and not in like any kind of like weird, like sexual way. I don't think it's sad. I think it's more like she feels responsible for her mom's death. So she feels responsible for mom not being in her dad's life so i think she feels like she's taking she's taken on that role um for him just you know being another woman that he can love as a daughter um but i think she's just so scared of being replaced or john loving somebody else she can't comprehend that he can love somebody in addition to her right not instead of her and i think it's because she has so much guilt right um she thinks like her father just may stop loving her because it was her fault that her mom died. So I think maybe that's where that stems from and she just does not want to be replaced. Um, So yeah, she's just got a lot of issues to deal with. And I think a lot more this season because there are showing so many flashbacks. And I think that's just indicative of like everything that's going on in her mind. I think they're building it up for her to maybe just have some kind of like uh, nervous breakdown at the end of the season.
2: Also, like to piggyback, like she feels responsible for John. Um, Like these children have been indoctrinated their entire lives that it's it's the Duttons against everybody. Everybody's coming for us. Everybody's a threat. It's our it's it's like the Lannisters. You know what I'm saying? It's, It's we don't trust anybody who's not us. So these women coming in are are perceived threats to John by Beth because is this not what John has been telling her, you know, forever? So, um, like, so she she feels that responsibility in so many different ways. Like, yeah, I, like Marcy said, she feels responsible to be the main woman in his life, uh, to offer the counsel and all those things. But she also wants to make sure that everybody knows she has her claws out and she's willing to protect her father at any cost um, because... Protecting her father is protecting the family. And that's been job number one for all of these kids, man. All of them have had to live their lives basically as a tentacle of John Dutton. Jamie had to go to law school not to be a lawyer like he probably always dreamed or maybe always dreamed, but he had to be the family lawyer. Beth had to go to college so she could be the family fixer, the family accountant, the family whatever. Casey is the family muscle. Like, uh Lee was the family cowboy like all of them like were tentacles of John Dutton in some type of way. Um uh, so they don't really know a life without John, <laughs> you know like they don't know how to like really detach themselves from him and Beth most most, most often because most more than the rest of the kids more than the boys because she's always been daddy's little girl. She's always been the most aggressive one. Uh she's always been the, the biggest fighter outside of Casey. Casey's a, you know, trained fighter, but like Beth is always down for a fight always Casey is not always down for a fight he's just better at it you know what I'm saying so Beth ultimately like Beth feels responsible for him like she feels like she needs to be his consigliere like I need to be there to take these bullets for you so that's what I mean and and it, it just the these women are a vehicle of that you know dynamic that she has
0: man y'all, y'all bringing it today man with with this with this beth uh psych psych, psych eval, man I, I, I agree with all of that i i think i think beth i think beth feels guilt with with her with her mother's uh death marcy i think i think beth feels fear of like being replaced um as as the as no one woman in john's life and and and, and t I, I totally agree with the with the tentacles like every single position these kids were put in were in benefit of john and this ranch um, so I I could not agree more with with all with all that's, that's being said. Um, last but not least, I, w- I want to say this for last. Um, Sarah Atwood and the dinner meeting that became a nightcap. Uh so in episode, episode three, um, they talk Sarah Atwood meets Jamie for the first time. Jamie um is disgruntled on stage when um when when John receives nomination sees the governorship position, um, and Sarah peeps that um and wants to wants to um, you know meet Jamie in person and talk about the, con- the con- conversation, and e- uh, easements, the airport, the casino, the the land property, the apartments, and all of that. And they have a they have a, a dinner that wasn't really a dinner. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, so they don't they drink literally a couple of drinks. They go they go into the bathroom, and they get it in. Um, you know what's funny though the scene the minute Sarah put her put her purse down i knew i knew that the, i knew someone was going to see that i knew beth was there i was like man she gonna she gonna get in that purse and, and, and find some information uh marcy what was your what was your take on that on that scene with jamie and what do you think this takes jamie as a character going forward
1: i mean she hit him with the classic how the hell are you still single line and he fell for it like hook line and sinker and i'm like jamie like that is a line She is trying to like get you like this is very obviously a line, but you fell for it. Um, So I was like, come on, Jamie, this is a stupid move. So I didn't know what Beth was going to do when I saw her there. I was like, is she going to take pictures and like maybe tell the baby mama and like maybe that's how she's going to try to take the son away from him. But no, she just tried to get some more information. I thought she was going to steal the purse at first. I was like, what are you doing? Um, but she just, you know, took pictures of like her ID to try to get more information about who she is. But um, Jamie is being played and either he's also playing into it because he has an agenda or he's just very stupid. So we will see what happens with that.
0: I don't think I don't think Jamie is used, is used to getting pussy. That, that's that's mm-hmm. I think this, this is where it all stems from. Um, Jamie really thinks he's desirable um and to all women because uh, for this woman to be an enemy of of on uh, a threat to your father's ranch and all of a sudden you think this woman has any type of romantic interest in you shows me that you
2: that you have limited experience with women uh t what are your thoughts i mean or you're just searching for like some type of validation and she offered that validation for him in that moment but what is the theme of this episode man it's impulse control man impulse control um I was hoping, I guess maybe I'm giving Jamie some credit. I was hoping that he was able to see the play and like, Hey, there's no, there's no rule against fucking an enemy. You know what I'm saying? But you have to understand that that's the enemy throughout the the act, you know? So we'll see next episode if he's seeing the play being made because the play is definitely being made. Um, like again, this one, just last episode we saw that she was sent to destroy that family. Uh, And that they specifically uh, singled out Jamie as a a vulnerable point for that family. So she's clearly, 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 clearly playing him. Um, And we'll see, you know, episode five, if he understands that and he's like, hey, let me also maneuver the situation to my advantage. Um, And or if he's just a, a fucking moron, like, you know, California girl. Uh, but we definitely, we definitely will see. So to, to some comments to the chat, Brittany,
0: who has not seen the show yet uh mm-hmm. says hell, hell have no fear. Hell hath no fury. And as we say in the South, bless his heart. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think I was going to to Jamie, take this part ahead Um is, is like you Marcy, hoping that Jamie has an agenda, but I don't think he, I don't think that's the case. He is a weak, he's weak. So um, I, I agree. I think, and also, um, to go back to John as well, like, this is a fight, and I think would said this during the meeting, they can fight this for years. Their pockets are long. And they can fight it beyond the two terms or the term that John um, plans to be governor, even for two terms. Let's say John is governor for eight years. They have money to to fight this in court for years to come. So um, even though, even though um, John has... Uh, Created this 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 easement um, case with uh, with his with his land and the airport and the casinos. Um, it's only for so long that you, you can do that um, because I mean John doesn't have the money to, to fight this. Um, the state of Montana I don't think has the money to fight this compared to what market market equities has. So this is a long con, and 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 Sarah pretty much saying, you know, I mean you might be winning today, but the war is far from over, and um, and I think Sarah's doing a great job of just pretty much just trying to find. Uh, a weak point for jamie and 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 finding a way because for Sarah, if she can find a way to to make this whole administration implode from the inside with it's Beth to Jamie, she's gonna find a weak uh, a weak point. um so I can't wait to see what what's gonna come out of this. um another thing that 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 uh, caught my attention too, Sarah might be five steps ahead of of everybody else because I know when Beth stole her ID, she tried looking her up, and that's not even her real name. <laughs> so, it, it makes me wonder who she really is and, um, and, and,
2: and what, or she... did she intentionally put that purse down? Did she see Beth there? As some uh. Like that, that'll be something, you know, that'll be that's thinking three, four steps ahead. Uh, and if that's the case, then hey, this might not be a woman for the to fuck with. <laughs> like, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. If that's no? the case, she might be her.
1: that was very surface level like googling that bet that they showed beth doing too she like typed the name and then she looked at like two people and she's like well that's not her and i'm like you need to like do like some more digging i mean like that's just you know very surface level so and also you're
2: the chief of staff of the governor of montana like you can't get somebody to do that for you like somebody, somebody on staff can do that they can find this woman like in Ten
1: minutes.
2: Background check. Yeah, <laughs> but again, this is
0: this is this is like Beth thinking at, at at the at the ground floor level. I mean, she's not, and she's a very smart woman. Like she's she's very articulate. She's very smart, very bright. But when it comes to this is government shit, man. This is this is beyond just getting your hands dirty physically and beating up bitches in the bar. Like you gotta you gotta come with a plan, a plan of action, and think bigger than 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 the ground floor. And like Texas Potter has said, she hopes that. Um, Beth meets her match. I think she will with, with, with Miss Atwood. So, um, guys, any thoughts on the episode as a whole, man? Like, I, I thought, what do you guys think, Marcy?
1: Again, I think it was slow, but setting up some things that will hopefully pay off in the end. But I think what we're seeing is like the slow and steady, like, burn of Beth, and she's definitely headed for some kind of breakdown. Um, because I also think that she's not like, her game is not a level like it had been before um so we'll see what happens
2: i thought yeah go ahead
0: i'm sorry go ahead
2: no i'm saying I, I thought that this episode moved the season forward a little bit better than last episode did last episode i felt like they had to get some characters in there It's like hey remember these <laughs> remember them like they're still here um this one was more focused on the main characters um i love like i said i love the little moments like the little dialogues between like two characters two characters at a time um so yeah it's slow but like i said slow in a good way um so can't wait can't wait for next week man thank y'all marcy tristan
0: thank y'all so much man you 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 guys and gals are the newest people newest team members to the watchers, man and like i said it's great to have you have you guys here y'all yeah, I've diversified our group so much more uh with your skill set and and and, and w- in which i guys watch so thank y'all again um speaking of watching shows and movies um if you guys have any have any input what you w- want us to cover next um you know this, this is the fall season now a lot of shows are out um please hit us up um on, watch us the basement follow us on all social media we have facebook twitter um and instagram at watchers basements so don't 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 be afraid to leave a comment leave a like subscribe get all the latest episodes and um and britney does a great job who's our who's our coordinating planner of our episodes does a great job of planning everything ahead of time to show you what's on the slates for the next few weeks so again for myself for Marcy for Tristan thank y'all so much um please give us a five star rating on, on this episode and on our on our podcast group and um Y'all be good, man. Y'all be safe.